Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy, and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. Today's podcast is all about helping you, the health professional, use apps in your practice and what apps might be useful for you and your patients. Now, as many of you might know, we recently started a podcast called Consult a Cairo. This podcast is aimed at members of the public and chiropractic patients rather than the ACA podcast, which you're listening to now, which is more aimed at health professionals. If you have a look at the Consult a Cairo podcast, you'll notice there's already uh, one in there on health apps, and that's very much uh, at, directed at your patients. Today, we're going to go, however, into a little bit more background detail so that you, the practitioner, the chiropractor, can really understand some of the background behind why these apps are so good in practice. Now, uh, joining me today on the podcast to discuss all things uh, apps and digital is Melinda Wessel. In addition to her chiropractic practice, Mel has spent many years in digital health as a digital health consultant. She's completed her master's of research looking at health quality data in electric health records for predicting outcomes to patient care. She's had a number of roles with the Australian Institute of Digital Health and is currently working with an expert advisory group to help build public trust in healthcare data in Australia. Hi, Mel, and thank you for returning to the ACA podcast. No, thank you for having me back, Anthony. It was a lot of fun last time. Yes, this is third time in not so long, so I really appreciate your expertise uh, in knowledge. Now, today we're talking about apps. Well, it wasn't that long ago that most people didn't even know what an app was. So why is this important and uh, why should we be having this conversation? Well, it's a great conversation. We need to have this conversation on apps as it's what patients want. And as you um and this has really been made clear to us through various statistics. For instance, a study conducted recently by Deloitte discovered that you know, almost 80% of consumers want their healthcare providers to recommend digital health apps and websites to them. As well as this, there's a recent global report on digital tool usage that found that consumers expect health practitioners to match the digital capabilities they experience in other industries, a task that you know, health is currently lagging behind on. So, but the challenge with this is, as you alluded to, the practitioners report that they often don't know what digital tools that they can trust. Uh, there's also some emerging conversations around liability issues that if we suggest something and it has a negative impact on someone's health, where do we sit in that field? So there's some things that can, um, hopefully through this conversation, we can help to build some trust in practitioners and their use of health apps, because there's so much real benefit, I think, that we can gain. The apps can really reinforce our recommendations and the work that we do outside of the treatment room so we continue to have an impact on our patients through the day to help improve their health habits. Now, the uh, so a trust thing, I want to sort of dive into that a little bit now. Obviously, we've had examples in Australia where even large and reputable companies have had data breaches and personal information has been accessed by hackers. Uh, there's plenty of scammers out there. So what should we consider before downloading an app? Mm, it's it's true and this is yeah I think I said last time this is where the hesitation comes from when I speak to practitioners about 
digital use? And so it's a great question to start on because you know, there's more and more apps coming out every day that it's impossible for us to know all of them or review them all today. Um, but the best way can, we can probably do is, you know, find out four things about the apps that you want to use. So number one is where was the app developed? So Australia has much better privacy laws than other countries that are developing apps. There's US and a few other countries may have similar laws, but just be cautious and read the terms and conditions carefully for apps that are developed in other countries. The second one is ask yourself, where is the data stored? So once again, if it's in Australia, it's much safer. Many apps, even if they've had overseas development, still have Australian data storage warehouses. Um, if your data is outside the US, the EU or Australia, then this is a really big red flag for that app. Uh, the third one is, does the app share data that is collected from you? And this will be in the terms and conditions, which is so boring to read. I'm sorry to say it, mm. <laughs> um, but have a skim. Um, most apps do share data and make sure that they're only sharing de-identified data. And number four is just check what the reviews say. So simple, but it's easy to skip over. The review stores in the app and online and trusted web sources. And that's a really good starting point to set you up for understanding the security around apps. That's four fantastic tips to, to ensure security. Now, I know when I uh, downloaded my last app, it asked me if I wanted to continue on Facebook, Apple, or Google. So I'm assuming uh, the app is asking, you know, these uh, websites or, or organizations have already co collected a fair bit of my data and they're just sharing the data. Should I be ticking that box or should I sign on independently and just use my email address? I suppose it depends a little bit on that. It's, it's usually what they're asking for. It's called SAML or SSO, so it's a single sign-on. And usually these accounts, they'll only share the username and your email at the most. They won't share all that personal data that you've entered into your Google account. Um, and this process has its advantages. It's, you know, it's easier, it's faster, and it almost protects you in a way that it means that you're not storing your individual credentials, logon details and account details on multiple different servers for each different app that you want. Because a lot of these smaller apps might not have the same security features as a larger account such as Google. And that means that if your app gets hacked, then your login and de account details aren't there on each of those individual apps. Um, if you want a little analogy, Anthony. <laughs> Let's go. Do you, want, do you want an analogy for it? I think I know what analogy you're going to use here. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's the same process for our listeners as, yeah, as getting into a nightclub. So to get in, you have to show your license. So you've already proved to Vic Roads or Transport New South Wales um, who you are to be able to get your license. And so the bouncer therefore trusts that, you know, Vic Rhodes has done their job and validated that you are you. So they don't need to record your details or take a copy of your license. Um, so this can be really handy. So if you are signing on to smaller, all these different health apps, you can use single sign-on. And then within those apps, you can ask yourself, do I really need to enter my real information? If, if you're worried about security, you might want to use a different a name or, or limit the information that you're putting into those other apps to further protect you. Yep. Well, okay. So let's assume now that we've got the security side of things sorted out. Um, obviously apps are there to make money. And uh, like so many examples in the world, uh, claims are made that may not be defendable. How do we know that the information that we're getting is, you know, good solid evidence? Yeah. Um, I suppose we're, we're healthcare practitioners, we're trained to look for evidence-based medicine. And so look at what it's claiming to do. The more risky an app is, is the higher the claims that they have. There's something might go wrong. 
So look at the evidence behind it. Many of the good quality apps coming out are associated with universities. Um, they're actively developing and they're actively conducting, conducting research in line with the university. Uh, so you see that that's a good sign. And there's many of those, especially in the mental health space. There's Mood Prism, This Way Up, Mood Gym. Um, a lot of mental health apps are actively developing in Australia with universities. Um, look at the website. Does it list any published studies as well? So there are other things you can look for. So let's jump into the apps now and we'll start with the ACA app, uh, Straighten Up. Tell us about the Straighten Up app. Ah, so straighten up. It's good. Like I like the simple generic exercise. It's a really way, like we're all busy in clinic and sometimes it can be really easy just to, we, we want to get into the specifics, but sometimes the generics, all that we need to give the patient something in their active care to start with. So there's some research behind, I think presented on the, um, on the, on the straighten up app behind doing those exercises. I think 90% report posture improvement after doing them for a few weeks. I like it has a little bit of gamification. Um, so you can track your progress and the alerts kind of change regularly because what we find with apps is if they keep having the same alert all the time, we get alert fatigue and we don't listen. So I found that the straighten up app alerts change regularly, which is great. And one of the other great things about it is the augmented reality, which basically uh, for those of you who remember the old or the original Star Wars film where mm -hmm. Princess Leia would appear in this holographic uh, image uh, talking to Luke Skywalker or Obi-Wan Kenobi. I can't remember who it was at the time, but there was this, it's like this image that just appears and you can do this with the, um, with the straighten up app. It's very cool. And I've used it for showing kids, for example, how to uh, use their school bags or how to sit and, and stand with correct posture. So that's something definitely worth uh, looking into. Um, now, obviously that's the more generic thing. Great for, as you said, a uh, um, a general start or maybe for some marketing and promotion to share with people who might not be actually patients in practice. But then, of course, we have uh, apps like Fizzy App, which I certainly use in my uh, practice. And this is where we can get uh, very detailed and very professional with exercise prescription. Mm, yeah, so Fizzy App's the patient-facing version of Fizzy Track. Um, and so there's there quite a lot of exercise on this one. I'm sure a lot of chiros are already using this or some version of this. Um, it's really simple to set your own templates in as well if you use exercises regularly. Or um, And it, you can also ask patients to track their adherence if you, if you think that that's something that they need as well to help improve your compliance. And one of the things that I really like about it is that um, obviously you can set up templates. Um, if you have someone with... A particular type of presentations, you can sort of have different levels that they can progress through. So it becomes, it's one of those things when you first get new software, it's it's always a bit of a hassle to try and enter all that information in. Once you've gone through that process, it's actually quite um, quite easy to, to apply and it looks really professional. It's really sort of classy, like patients are usually very impressed with it. The other thing is, uh, if you're an ACA member, you get to do get a discount on your PhysiApp um, subscription. So make sure you select ACA if you're signing up for PhysiApp. Now, next one I want to move on to is Strava. Um, so again, if you're a cyclist or a runner, you probably know a little bit about Strava. Tell us uh, about the Strava app. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, I know about the Strava app because I know that I learned very quickly that I was slower than most of my colleagues. <laughs> it's so it's um it's I, I find it's 
it's a social networking app, yeah? So it has a lot of the benefits of, of creating a team, um, which can be really helpful for sticking to your program or, or helping your patients get in the habit. Uh, it's great to work with your patients on these to help set realistic goals uh, because it tracks your timing and, uh, and the distances and everything. Um, and they do gamification really well. There's lots of awards and for beating your personal best and things like that, which is really shown to help improve your experience and how long you're going to stick with an app. Yeah, I know all my cycling friends are always comparing their times to their colleagues or to the to the best ever of up certain climbs or, or, or sections, just about, it seems like just every, about every bit of tarmac or dirt track in Australia and possibly the Western world has a, a, a Strava segment linked to it. Mm, absolutely. It's but yeah, I'll about that was being that it is social networking app, there is a lot of data sharing with that, that some of it you can personalise. But I know there's things in there like you can set um, that it doesn't display a certain distance from your house. Um, right. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's some things That's like an that. Interesting one. In there as well. Yes, don't have someone coming around trying to steal your twenty thousand dollar road bike that you've just purchased. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> another story need to share. Um, <laughs> now, another one. There's there's a few different uh, types of apps that um, help you with your high intensity training or similar type workouts. I know one that um, I was playing with the other day called Tabata. And while I was using it, um, at, 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 because it's uh, it comes with ads, so the free version, as with a lot of these um, apps, um, aren't as good as the paid-for versions. But this one, an ad block uh, came up or an offer for an ad block, you know, pay $1.99 a month and um, and you're, you'll be free from ads. Are these kind of pop-ups, are they, are they safe? Should I be uh, linking into that or, or just uh, ignore those? Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm not an absolute expert in that field, that's for sure. But look, there are a lot of them are safe. There are some that are not safe and actually track you. Um, so it's, again, go back to that checklist of the four things to look at, check the reviews and the quality of the website that you're looking at. When I looked at Total Ad Block, the one on that Tabata one you're talking about, that one looks safe. Um, but again, look at those reviews. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Like, you, yeah, when we're exercising, we want to be focusing on our health and our mindset and the ads can really get in a way with that. So ad blocks can help if they're a good quality product that you're getting. Um, and the Tabata, what that the Tabata one that one for high intensity workouts, they're really great too, you know, because you can set it doesn't matter what type of workout your patient's doing, you can often set your own timing in it. So if you have to do something for a minute or 30 seconds, you can change those timings, which can be really helpful with getting through the whole sets of homework that you give your patients. Fantastic. Um, now, I think probably the the type of apps that I recommend the most to patients these days uh, have to do with uh, mental health and in my case, particularly uh, meditation. So there's a few great ones out there. I mean, I, I certainly like uh, Alleviate and uh, Smiling Mind is, is another great one. Smiling Mind's Aussie. So that's a good one. It's a really big one. It tailored programs for mindfulness and meditation. Um, there's some evidence around it being effective. Um, smiling Mind, what else is there? There's um, uh, Insight Timer and Calm. There's quite a lot of other ones out there that do that. Some of the challenges with these, though, is that, you know, typical mindful apps, this apps only have around a 5% adherence rate after a few months. Um, and the one you mentioned there, though, Alleviate, I was speaking to that company the other day, actually, and they've actually got something within their program 
where they you can it's the paid version um, but it links you in with health coaches around your specific condition that you're yes. looking to work on and they're getting about 70 percent compliance over over past six months which is which is which is great for a health app um, to have that level of adherence i think that um alleviating just for for, for the listeners it's a l e v i and then the number eight um, it's set up originally by Ian Gawler, who many people will know is um, quite a, a very, very well-renowned uh, um, meditation expert and, and healer who recovered himself from uh, severe cancer of um, his leg. In fact, he lost his leg to cancer, but is still around and kicking and 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 uh, teaching people a lot about mindfulness. You know, thirty or forty years post his uh, original cancer diagnosis, so definitely a, a good one. Um, now you also, um, have told me before about this way up as being a, a great app. Yeah. So this is a mental health app based around new cognitive behavioral therapy. So there's a really large growing body of evidence of the benefits of internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy programs, um, which is great because it's a bit easier to access. So they, they, these guys have programs for general wellness, mindfulness and sleep through to diagnose mental health conditions of anxiety and depression. And this is really cool because it's if as a practitioner, you can sign up and give free access to your patients. And they do this because they know that what you can see so that you might sign up your patient and they can go through a program. And then if there's any red flags or warning signs or answers to questions that are significant, that can give you a flag. Um, you can't see everything that your patient does, but it can help keep your patient accountable and you know if they keep fine going on or if they need further intervention and you need to refer further. Um, what's cool about it is because the evidence of the benefits of these apps, we're starting to see backing from private health insurance as well. So Bupa has free access to this way up. At the, Bupa members have free access to this way up at the moment. Um, they also drop the barriers to access for psychological help. We, we all know it can be hard to take those first steps for a patient to talk about their mental health. Um, so if you already, you know, have the trust of your patient, these can be helpful to start their journey down that mental health space. Another area, I guess, of um, growing science in terms of its application to these sorts of problems is the area of chronic pain. Now, often the conversations we have with patients, if we've got sort of third party endorsement of some of our recommendations that might apply to things like pace, to pacing or to that, um, you know, hurt doesn't necessarily equal harm and how to move away from fear avoidance behavior and all those sorts of things. One app that's quite good in terms of covering a lot of that information is the app Curable. Um, tell us a little bit about that one. Oh, I love Curable. It is a great app to save us again, save us time in practice by helping to teach our patients about that pain science you were just talking about, Anthony, um, especially in chronic pain patients. They're in the earlier days of clinical trials, but looking really good with patients reporting improved quality of life and physical symptoms. And like you said before, Mel, so often these apps and we come across them because of our patients rather than us. So I first had a patient talk to me about Curable and I've since recommended that to several patients. I think like all these sorts of things, um, there's a moment in time where this sort of stuff is useful. And then for some people, there'll be moments where they'll need to move away from it. The very person who recommended curable uh to me later said by the end of it he was getting a bit sick of it he felt like he'd learned what he needed to learn um and i think he was involved in some of the um 
the 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 social interaction and 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 having conversations online with people who are also experiencing chronic pain and he felt that it was it was taking him down that you know deep dark hole instead of you know bringing him out of it so i guess there's a balance of how you use these things absolutely um but yeah as as with alleviate too they find that you know when you do have that group interaction that it can be helpful for some people but it sounds like your patient passed he learned everything he needed to learn and moved on (laughs) indeed now the other thing is the diagnostic app so some of the simple things that i use in practice uh, one is something called clonometer Um, it's just uh, like a spirit level basically and i use that often with ankle or achilles type injuries just to measure uh, range in the ankle and again having a a number patients really love that rather than saying oh that looks a little bit stiff you say oh well that's 30 degrees on the left, but um, but only 22 degrees on the right. That's really sort of impactful. And there's science around those asymmetries as well. Uh, another one that I really like is a, a device called uh, Halo, which um, is a handheld device. It gives a little uh, laser pointer and you basically click it at one point and then you move with the joint, click it on the other, and it'll give you the range of motion, you know, very precisely and accurately in a knee joint or an elbow joint or whatever it is that you're measuring. And I know my very good friend, John Kelly, who has done a lot of uh, work in the um, uh, with, with Guild Insurance and, and others, uh, always says that when you're writing your notes, a, a number, a pre and a post number means a lot. So I'll often use this type of uh, diagnostic tool, do an adjustment, do whatever sort of uh, care I need to do, and then retest it straight after and also retest it after a course of care. So they're two things that I really like. Um, I'm sure there's plenty that you uh, have come across as well. Yeah, there's, they're great ones. Um, I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but the technology's coming. It's not quite there yet, but can automatically, where you know when you're looking at the video screen and it automatically puts the dots on your joint so it can Ah, measure. Posture Pro and things like that. But yeah, they're getting a lot more automated now. Right. Um, I was at a conference last year in America and just as you're walking past this screen, it dotted everybody and was tracking how you were moving. Right. Wow. So we're getting closer on that kind of technology being really cheap and easy to use, which is super cool. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking about uh, diagnosis apps. Oh, sorry. Some like measuring apps we're talking about, weren't we? So those ones, there's also, there's a lot of measurement apps coming on the market. It's a really fast growing space. Um, A lot of them are using the camera in your phone to take different measurements like your pulse, heart rate, things like that. Um, And some of these are quite good. There's one called Elite HRV, um, which we go back to our checklist. It's US-based, data stored in the US, strong relationships with universities. um, And what they're measuring is heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a good one. It's also like Fibrijec is another one in the US, but it's even been FDA approved to look at measuring irregular heartbeats through your phone. Um, Wow. Yeah, super cool. But there's also, you know, there's also another stack in the app store that don't have these qualities and really could be dangerous if you're relying on those measurements. So you're really looking for the university backing and FDA, um, which is another thing around, you know, that's measurement apps, but there's also another space coming out. Like there's a lot of diagnosis apps coming on the market. And these use um, AI models to detect things like skin lesions. Um, but anything that's using AI, there can always be questions around how the models are made, how are they updated and maintained. Um, and just so I'm clear, like most of the diagnosis apps on the market are actually really pretty poor quality at the moment and mm. border on elite. So 
if you've got an app in Australia, you're actually not allowed to diagnose anyone unless it's got TGA approval. There might be some, but I am not. don't think there is any that have TGA approval yet in Australia. There are some diagnosis apps that are better though, and these are they help to triage you or they use the AI to maybe ask you a set of questions and use their AI models to kind of give you some advice or plug you into the right practitioner. So at least they're linking to you to a practitioner. They're not trying to diagnose you all on their own. Yeah. And there's some really good ones out there in this space too that can, again, help to bring down those barriers of accessing care. So Pilot is a good one for men's health that look at, you know, weight management, hair loss, um, testosterone issues, and Kin is the same company, but for women's health issues and accessing um, issues for women. So there's some good ones there, but yeah, look for that in your diagnosis apps. And it can be really helpful with patients that, yeah, do have those barriers with accessing care or don't maybe want to go talk to someone in person or the cost of accessing healthcare in person as well. A lot of these apps are cheap, a lot cheaper to access healthcare. Um, and then the last category is just, I suppose, your tracking apps as well. So there's a lot of apps on the market that help us to track our pain. So Mood Gym, I think Mood Prism as well, help us track our mental health and Halo as well. The little Halo device there, there's another app called Halo as well that helps to track your mental health over a period of time. And I've been recommending these to some patients with chronic pain or if they've got fear avoidance beliefs or just poor historians in general, we're not sure what stirs our condition up and you know when, it, when, it, when we're sore. Um, and it, they can really help patients become active and empowered in their care to understand their triggers and things. Oh, and migraine buddy is another one. Right. Um, specific for migraines. Yeah, we're finding a lot of them coming out condition specific um, to help us with tracking and understanding patients, well, helping patients understanding their conditions. Yeah. Fantastic. Look, I think we've covered a, a lot of apps there and some um, terrific information just for our listeners to be aware that. Um, all the things that Mel and I have spoke about today, uh, as far as the apps will be made available to you in the show notes. Um, so if you want to have a deeper dive into any of those, you certainly may. Uh, Mel, any last words before we uh, wrap it up for today? Oh, I, mm, last words. Look, your patients are going to come to you with apps that you've never heard of. <laughs> um, it's going to happen because there's so many coming out. So by understanding, you know, you won't know all of them. So by understanding those, some of those key things we spoke about with security and look, what to look for will help, you know, position you to, to be able to help your patients understand what they should be using. Fantastic, Mel. As always, thank you so much for sharing uh, your wisdom with the ACA listeners today. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your quest for excellence. And look forward to chatting with you again on our next ACA podcast.